Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. For God, she so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. This is the word of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you so love the world that you sent your son. We thank you that through thousands of years and hundreds of generations, the reality of this gift remains, um, that it is available to us all, and that it is the beginning of your rescue plan for us. Uh, God, we just thank you uh, for this season. We're able to pause and understand the beginning of this great story of your love. We ask these things in your name. doing today? Awesome. Man, I like that. Well, listen, if you are new, uh, my name is Nathan. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. But hey, before we jump into the lead, join me welcoming those that are watching online on Facebook. What's up, Facebook? (laughs) Welcome. We uh, definitely want to welcome you, whether you're here in person or online. Uh, This is really an exciting time. You know, this is the Advent season, and this is really a time of year where we're preparing our hearts for Jesus to come. We're preparing for the holiday season. Maybe you're making plans to open your home or maybe to close your home to family. I don't know, depending what your dynamics are there. But, you know, it's really an exciting time where we can, you know, again, uh, really focus or refocus on the life of Jesus. And listen, before we, again, before we kind of get into this week's Advent message, I want to talk a little bit, oh, let there be sound. Okay. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Christmas Eve. This is going to be coming up in a couple weeks. We actually have two services on Christmas Eve, one at 4 p.m. and one at 6 p.m. This is, again, as Brandon said earlier, a great time that we can actually celebrate the birth of Jesus together. But here's something I want you to kind of think about. You know, usually this time of year we're making preparations, whether it's uh, purchasing gifts or planning meals or travel plans. Part of your preparation is, I encourage you, who is it that God is asking you to invite to Christmas Eve? 
Maybe there's someone in your life that you've been investing in. Maybe it's been someone you've been praying for, someone that you've been kind of building a relationship with. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a good friend. Maybe it's someone who's close to you, but far from God. But who is it that's in your life that maybe this is the time for you to invite them to Christmas Eve. Now, Christmas Eve, just to give you a heads up, it's going to be a 60-minute family-friendly service. We're going to share the gospel, so they're, they're going to have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus and even respond. And so I want to encourage you to start thinking and start praying about who is that person, that man or woman in your life, that you want to take a risk and invite to Christmas Eve. You've been investing in them for the past year, and now is an opportunity for you to invite them to begin a relationship, or, you know, invite them to come Christmas Eve to begin a relationship with Christ. So that's Christmas Eve. It's only two weeks away. So but before we do that, guys, I just want to let us know that we are in the third week of Advent. And so with Advent, usually it's about three, it's about four weeks. And we kicked off a series last week actually called Advent. Really, you know, really simple, really creative right there. And really, Advent's interesting. We talked about this last week. It's actually the beginning of the Christian calendar. So it's really the beginning of, of kind of how we see the world. And the church fathers and the church mothers, they measured time a little differently than we do today. You know, we talk about how most of us, we measure time, you know, by the clock, right? Uh, what, whatever the clock tells us is when we need to be at some place, it's when we need to do something. All of our lives are governed by the clock. We're very time-oriented, very time-bound. We hate to wait, don't we? Like, we do not want to wait for anyone or anything. And we talked about how Advent is actually challenging us to think less about a clock and more like a compass. A compass isn't so much telling us when to be at some place. More, it's really talking about direction, about intention, about moving in a certain way. In fact, uh, what we talked about last week was, well, you know, we wish we were in control of the clock. We wish we were in control of how the timing of our lives worked out. We're not. And so instead, we're called to follow the compass, to follow Jesus and let God be in charge of the timing of our lives. And so Advent is a challenge to the way we view time. It's a challenge to say, let's stop orienting ourselves around the clock, but actually reorient ourselves around Jesus. And we looked at these four qualities. You know, we talked about hope. You know, hope was the first week of Advent, the first kind of point on the compass here. And so we kicked off uh, the series talking about hope, and we talked about our Christmas offering. And again, our goal is to raise $35,000 for families that are in the process of adopting in our church. Uh, as well as a, some facility updates, a bathroom, and you guys probably heard that is the urgency level of that is going up, which is fun. <laughs> so we have hope, and then last week we talked about peace, and how Jesus came to give us peace with God, but also wants to bring peace through us. It's through us that Jesus works peace into this broken, dark world. And so next week we're going to be talking about joy. What does it mean to have joy this season? In fact, we have a very special uh, speaker. We have Spencer Sweeting, who's going to be coming. Anyone want to give it up to Spencer Sweeting, our founding pastor? Make some noise, people. Come on now. So Spencer's going to be here. He's going to talk about joy. But before we do that, today we're going to talk about love. How do we draw on the love of God during this season when, you know, we are celebrating and we're thinking about parties and it's a season to be merry, it's a season to be bright. But it, it, for many of us, let's just kind of acknowledge the reality, this can be actually a really difficult time. Well, I think many of us, we're so focused on, hey, it's a party, we're celebrating, Jesus is coming. Uh, for many people that are gathering this year, this is the first time they're gathering without a family member. You know, this past week, 
uh, was sitting with a family who was in the process of losing a loved one. And, you know, they love Jesus, and their, you know, their loved one is actually w- with the Lord right now. But what the things, it is, as we celebrated the fact that, hey, you know, she knows Jesus, life is going to be good with her in eternity, there's no sickness, there's no pain, but this Christmas for them is going to be very different than it's ever been before. And in the same way, there's many of us here, because the truth is I stalk some of y'all on Facebook. Some of you guys are in a season right now where you're saying, this is my first holiday, this is my first Christmas uh, without my dad, without my mom. This is the first season where things are very, very different. And it's going to definitely be different. It's going to be changed. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's not just this season, but maybe this year has been a year of loss. I've talked with some folks who said, you know, Nathan, this is a really hard year. We were excited about a pregnancy that was happening, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't. There was a, a miscarriage, and now we're experiencing some loss. And during the holidays, we're feeling it extra more as everyone is talking about celebrating. And everyone's talking about, hey, this is such a great time, but, but really, this is in many ways a painful time. But, but sometimes it's not loss of a loved one or, or loss uh, in that way. Sometimes it's literally loss of a faith community. I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's kind of going through a time of what he calls deconstruction. You know, he grew up in a spiritual background that was pretty spiritually abusive. He was handed down a picture of God that looked more like Hitler than the God of compassion and loving kindness that we see in the Bible. And so as he's been studying scripture, as he's been studying theology and church history, and he's kind of peeling back the layers and he's asking some good but really hard questions he said to me, you know, Nathan, my family just said they want nothing to do with me because of the questions I'm asking. They basically said, you know what, you shouldn't be asking these questions. You should just stay in your lane. And it's been really painful. I've actually experienced a separation from my family as I'm trying to figure out, you know, and follow Jesus from what I'm learning from the scriptures rather than what I was handed off to me. But, but grief and loss, it looks differently. It could be the loss of a job that we're grieving. It could be the loss of a relationship that we were hoping that this was going to be the one. And so we come into this holiday season uh, less merry and bright and more feeling like the weary world, more overwhelmed, more wondering what's going to happen. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Nathan, why are you such a Debbie Downer? Like, come on, man, it's Christmas. Like, we're going to be hanging tinsel, and there's lights, and there's hanging greens and stuff. Like, don't be so negative. And and listen, if that's you, maybe you're not in a place where you've experienced loss or you've experienced grief, uh, and I praise God for that, but that's not how it's always going to be. For many of us, grief and loss, it's a normal part of life. If you haven't experienced it yet, one day you will. But I want to encourage you, there are people in your life that maybe you're walking through that. In fact, maybe there's people in the pew that you're sitting next to that are experiencing loss right now. And as followers of Christ, we are called to bear one another's burdens, to kind of shoulder their pain with them as they're walking through those times of grief and times of loss. So even though the calendar says, hey, it's time to celebrate, it's time to party, it's time to hang the tinsel and lights, for some of you, it doesn't matter if the loss was 10 days ago or 10 years ago. It's still fresh. It's still there. And no matter how much time passes, it it doesn't make the pain any less. And today, guys, I want to remind us that Advent, the promise of Advent, is it disrupts our view of time. And we talked about today, lighting the candle about love. You see, one of the things we're going to learn today is that God's love endures through grief. 
I want you to remember something. You cannot get over grief. You can only go through it. And if you go through it, we need a compass that we can trust to help us navigate through the, the nuances, the chaos, the times of darkness that grief brings. And that's why I want to encourage us to follow the compass, to follow Jesus. But I also want to say something, because I know that maybe some of you, you grew up in an environment that says any kind of sadness or anger or grief or loss, feeling sad or, or whatever those emotions were, was wrong. I just want to tell you that that's not true. The Bible teaches us that loss and sadness and grief, those are all important emotions. Those are all things that we go through. In fact, what we're going to look at today, there's an entire book of the Bible based on this, and it's called Lamentations. In fact, we're going to take a look at Lamentations 3 today, so if you have a Bible, you can open up there with me, or you can follow along on the screen here, or if you have a Bible app. But Lamentations is a book, it's all about grief and loss. It's written by a guy named Jeremiah. This is my man Jeremiah here, also known as Jerry. Uh, he is known as the weeping prophet, or as I like to call him in high school, the goth prophet, because he's always sad and depressing whenever, whatever he talked about. Um, maybe now it's emo. I don't know what the kids are saying these days. You guys can fill in the blank. But, see, Jeremiah is writing the book of Lamentations at a very difficult time in the history of Israel, in the history of God's people. Uh, they have actually just been through a violent siege uh, from, the, from the city, or actually the country of Babylon. Babylon has come. They've conquered Jerusalem. They've crushed everything. And now Jerusalem, the city of God, looks more like this. It looks more like a bombed-out city. In fact, this is Syria during the Syrian civil war. And what you can see here is these buildings are all blown out. Um, literally, like, the windows are gone. They're, it's literally like a skeleton of the city that's left. And maybe if you can see, there's some folks, there's, like, small people kind of walking around, kind of picking through the rubble, trying to put their lives back together. And that's what's happening to God's people here. They literally have watched the best and brightest either killed or deported into Babylon. They've watched their cities. They've watched their temples burn. And so now they're literally trying to figure out what does it mean to be God's holy chosen people again. And they have two choices. They can let the loss make them bitter and eventually destroy them from the inside out. And many did make that choice. Or they could choose to lean into the pain and let that pain, let that grief, and let that loss transform them. Enlarge their souls through what the Bible calls lament. Say lament, church. Lament. Lament is actually a genre of psalms that are about things like grief and loss and sharing with God your sadness. In fact, if you look at the psalms, which is uh, Israel's songbook, right? This is the songs that they would sing to God, their worship songs. A third of these psalms were lament psalms. We're kind of basically people just describing to God the pain that they're in, the, what they're suffering through, and where they're struggling. And a lament psalm has a very simple structure, which I think is helpful, because it kind of reflects life a little bit. There's what's called orientation, which is the first part of a lament, which is basically, my life is going down a certain direction. It's the direction I think it's supposed to go. It's the direction I want it to go. It's the direction that things are going well. But then something happens, and it leaves me in disorientation. So the, the marriage dissolves. The job that I, I, I once found so meaning and worth in is gone. The relationship with someone ends. And I'm kind of going, God, where are you in this? Why are you allowing this to happen? What is going on here? And eventually, through time, God brings us out of disorientation into reorientation. And whenever you read Psalms of Lament, only God can bring you out of disorientation into reorientation. We try to fast-track our way through the process, but we can't do it. Only God can bring us out of it. 
And so Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, provides us a compass with how we handle our grief and loss. I want us to read to see what Jeremiah writes here on behalf of God's people. He says this in verse 16. He says, He has made me chew on gravel. Love that word picture there. Chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is what? Lost. Now, Jeremiah, like I said, he's known as the weeping prophet. And here he is, you know, giving this prayer to God, which is unvarnished. It is unscripted. It is, you know, it's literally as, as raw as it can be. He's like, God, you literally took my head, took our head and shoved it in the ground. You know, my, you know I, why would you leave us in this broken place? You see, what is happening here is we're learning that lament is praying with raw honesty. And there's a lot Jeremiah can teach us how to pray with raw honesty. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, wait, wait a minute, Pastor Nathan. I thought we were supposed to pray with God with reverence, with respect, and to honor him. And, and the answer to that is absolutely. But sometimes I think we equate reverence and respect with politeness. We think, i got to be polite with God. I, I can't say certain things with God. But that is not true reverence from the biblical sense. You see, biblical lament is when we lay out the messiness of our lives, the mistakes of our past, the pain that we're feeling, the confusion, and we wrestle with God. We say, God, why is this the way it is? Why am I hurting the way I'm hurting? And through that wrestling and through that struggle and through that pain and through that tension, there is a transformation that takes place. But I want you to see just how honest Jeremiah was with God. Like Jeremiah is known for his brutal, honest prayers. Look what he writes in Jeremiah 20, verse 7. He says this, You deceived me, Lord. Translation, God, you lied to me. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. So literally, Jeremiah is saying, God, you're a liar. I can't believe you got me to do this. Like, I can't, I'm so angry with you. He's literally expressing all this. But let's pause for a second here. Is God really a liar? No. Jeremiah knows that God's not a liar. But Jeremiah feels that he was deceived. See, what Jeremiah is doing is he's taking his emotions and he's laying them out before God and he's wrestling with them. God, I can't believe I'm in this place. I can't believe that you've done this to me. And that rawness, that realness, it's unfiltered. It's pain that he's expressing. Because here's the thing, we often think of worship as we come and we sing nice songs to Jesus, but this is worship. We come and we bring our garbage, and we wrestle. And sometimes when we find ourselves with God and we're wrestling and we're screaming and, re and we're pounding our fists against his chest, that's the very moment that he can actually embrace us and bring us close when we're actually expressing our unfiltered pain to him. And I sometimes think that kids actually get this better than adults. You know, back in, uh, in 2020, uh, it was pretty much the height of the pandemic. It was around May. Uh, so where we were in New Jersey, I mean, you talk about lockdown, everything was locked down. Like, you couldn't go to a hospital. Like, the state parks were closed. Uh, we couldn't cross state lines. So it was completely isolating and really, really difficult. And at the time, uh, my brother and sister-in-law were expecting their third child. And so, you know, we're excited and, you know, celebrating this. And uh, I get a, a text message from my wife. Hey, you need to pray right now. 
And they go, okay, but what's going on? Bobby and Christy are on their way to the hospital. There's something going on with the pregnancy. So I'm, we're praying, and we're praying and praying, and, you know, trying to find out what's going on here. And uh, found out that uh, they actually gave birth to our niece at 25 weeks. Very, very tiny, very, very fragile. And so we are like, all right, this is going to be a really hard road. We're going to be praying. We are going to be seeking God. We, we know this is going to be a challenge. And so we're praying and praying and praying. And around the middle of the week, I think, uh, we started to get news. that Things weren't going well. And uh, finally, we found out that um, my niece, Emma Faith, passed away to be with Jesus. devastating. And so as my wife and I are wrestling with that news, the worst part is, like, how do you tell your kids? And so we're wrestling with, with that with ourselves, and we're trying to keep it together. We're, we're being stoic, and so we sit our, our kids down, and we share with them what, what happened. And I'll never forget, my daughter, Sale, just starts weeping. She starts wailing, and she starts stomping, and she goes, why, God? Why would you do that? She's just a baby. And for the next two, three days, Selah is in her room. She is stomping, and she's crying out, and she's screaming. All the things that the adults were feeling on the inside, she was doing on the outside. She was lamenting. I remember going to the memorial service, and, you know, all of us are, you know, we're the adults, we're stoic, we're just keeping our emotions down. And as Selah gets up there, she reads this poem that she wrote, and she is weeping, and she's bawling. And for the first time, she gave us as adults permission to do the same. Our daughter led us in that moment. And that was the beginning for, for us for healing for transformation. And listen, I know that's a really heavy story. And the reason why I share that is because there's people in our church, in this room, that are watching online, that that's their story at Christmas time. That's what they're wrestling with. That's what they're living with in this time. And so even though this is the time of year that we're supposed to celebrate and be joyful and be glad, there's some folks in your circle that are putting on a plastic smile because they don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But really, it's just a facade because deep down they're kind of hurting. They're in a lot of pain. So listen, if that's you today, maybe you're here and there's some pain that you're carrying, there's some grief and there's some loss that you're feeling, and it can be as fresh as 10 days ago or 10 years ago, I want to give you permission. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to have, to feel the loss. In fact, my encouragement to you is in this time that you'd follow the compass, not the clock. That you'd follow Jesus, that he would lead and guide you in this time. I want us to look at what Jeremiah says. He gives us these words. He says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. I want to pause for a second there. There is pain and grief that we may not forget. 
Maybe you've heard people say, you just need to get over it. You just need to forget about it. You just need to leave it in the past. But actually, no, Jeremiah's like, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some grief. I'm feeling some pain. I don't know if it's ever going to go away. But grief and loss is not the last word. Look what he says here. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. See, I believe that God's called me to tell you this morning that he's not going to waste your grief. I believe that there is purpose in your pain. And so this morning, as you're wrestling with the things that you're struggling with, the grief and the loss, I want to share with you some compass directions to help you move through this. So that maybe this year, you're just surviving the holidays, but at some point you'll eventually be able to thrive in the midst of it. So one of the things that we see in this passage that begins to teach us is this, is you need to remember during times of grief and loss that Jesus gives you what you need. He gives you what you need. Unfortunately, he doesn't give us what we want. You know, we want the pain to go away. We want to, to, the circumstance to change, the situation to be different. But sometimes Jesus says, I'm going to give you what you need, even if what you want is very different from this. Remember what Jeremiah tells us? He says this. He said, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. See, God promises us to give us what we need, and it's really based on his character on the loving kindness and the compassion of God. Because of who he is and his promises, we know that they're true to the end. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He promises to be close to the brokenhearted. He promises, again, to bring healing in the midst of our pain. He promises to bring us comfort in these times of trial. So the hard part is, how do we draw on God's love and kindness in the midst of those things? Maybe you remember a couple weeks ago, I taught you about the manna method. This is kind of based in the teachings of ancient Israel. They were in Egypt, and God's brought them out of Egypt into Israel, and they're like, all right, uh, God, what are we going to eat out here? And, and so they have this thing called manna. It's kind of like God's frosted flakes, right? So they'd go, and they'd collect all this manna, and once they have it, they would only have enough for the day, for that 24-hour period, and then they'd have to go back to God for more. Maybe if you're in this time of grief and loss, you need to remember that Jesus is going to give you what you need. So you need to go to him and say, Jesus, I need peace just to get through this family party. They're going to be healed. They're going to be asking me all these questions. Can you give me what I need for this hour and a half party? I just need to get through this, God. Or maybe, God, I'm feeling really heavy this, this day. Would you give me what I need? To get through today? Would, would you send the right phone call to come my way? Would you send the right friend to ask me that I can actually share what's going on? Whatever it is, just remember, God will give you what you need. He wants to give you what you need so that you can get through what's in front of you. We need to lean into those moments because remember, he's already leaning with his love towards you. He's reaching out to you. We can actually lean back into him. The second thing we see that Jeremiah encourages us to do is while in these times of grief and loss, is to worship in the waiting. To worship in the waiting. Let's keep reading here. It says this, The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for this salvation from the Lord. You know, grief and loss, it's painful. And oftentimes our temptation is, how do I numb that pain? And we have all sorts of ways we can numb it. We can numb it with, you know, alcohol. We can numb it with drugs. We can numb it with overeating. We can numb it with busyness and just working more. Go, 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 go. That way I don't have to think about it. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to deal with it. But what happens is what we do is we just end up kind of elongating our pain. We end up elongating our grief. 
And what happens is over time, it can destable us. It can actually destroy us from the inside out. But as Pete Scazzaro says, how do we let our grief and our loss actually enlarge our soul? Enable us to be more compassionate. Actually be a form of transformation so our lives can actually be ways that we can bless others. And here's the thing. I think what really we sometimes struggle with because we're humans is we want to know why. Why did, you, why did you do what you did? Why did you allow this to happen? Why, why are things right now so confusing and, and difficult? And here's the most unsatisfying answer, is sometimes we will never know this side of eternity. We're not going to know the why. In fact, I really go to the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians where he writes this. He says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. Right now, we don't know why certain things happened the way they did. We just don't know. But there will be a time where we will know fully. But one of the things that we do know is no matter what happens, is that God is good. And, you know, when we talk about worshiping while we wait to kind of move through this time of grief and loss, it doesn't mean that we just sing songs, which, by the way, that is important. We're actually going to do some more worshiping this morning, because we need to worship, we need to get our eyes focused on him. But worship is literally living a life that's in complete surrender to God. It means that we're going to search for him, we're going to look for him, we're going we're to pursue him, we're going to make the daily choice to, to pursue him, to serve him, to go to scripture, even when things are confusing, even when things are difficult. Because if we want to go from disorientation into reorientation, we need to remember that he's the one who's going to bring us into that new place. He's the one who's going to bring us into that new way of seeing the world and seeing ourselves and seeing God. And so, guys, again, I want to encourage you to follow the compass. To follow the compass. Don't put a time uh, limit on your grief. Don't put a time limit on your loss. Don't think, well, I should really be over this by now. No, no, no. You just follow Jesus. He'll be in one who'll take care of the timing. Following the compass may mean that, all right, I need to get rid of these ungodly beliefs about God that were handed to me and actually go back to scripture and go back to who God says he is and remember that he's a God of compassion and kindness and love. But following the compass may mean that you actually open up your heart in your city group and you share with them, hey guys, I'm not okay. I need some prayer. I need some friendship right now because I'm in pain right now. Following the compass may mean that you allow yourself to be angry to be sad. You don't stuff the emotions down. You say, you know what, God, I'm angry with you, but I'm still going to worship you. I don't understand what you're doing, God. I'm confused. I'm disoriented, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my hands and worship because I'm so small. I don't understand your ways, so I'm going to choose to trust you even if I don't feel like it, even if I feel far from you. But I want to encourage you as you're waiting, as you're worship and you're waiting, to not do it alone. You know, there's a great ministry uh, called Grief Share. And around this time, they do a program called Surviving the Holidays. And uh, this, you know, unfortunately, there's no in-person meetings in our area. But Grief Share is a great ministry where if you're in a time of grief and you're wondering how we're going to get through this, uh, they've actually got some online events all throughout the state of Pennsylvania. If you actually go to our website, to our resource page, you, you basically click our menu, you hit resources. Um, it'll take you to a link where you can kind of see all the different Grief Share events that are happening. And I want to encourage you. There's a community of people who are in the same space that you're in and would love to walk alongside you for this if you're trying to find ways to get through the holidays during this time. 
So you can go to the web, our website, you can click, get more information on that, and join an event, and um, go from there. But maybe you're here sitting, you're like, Nathan, I just got to be honest, like, that's not where I'm at. Like, I'm, I'm not grieving anyone. Um, you know, there's, there's no one in my life that, that's at a loss. What do I do? And first off, if that's where you're at, I just want to say, praise God. But that's not where you're going to stay. Grief and loss is a natural part of our life. But more than that, like I said earlier, you're called to bear the burdens of your brothers and sisters. And so when you learn there's people in your life that are going through grief and loss and mourning, my encouragement is that you be present in the grief of others. Be present. You know, during the time when God's people were exiled, when their city was leveled, uh, there were other folks writing psalms of lament. Psalm 137 is an example. It says this, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Notice what this doesn't say. By the rivers of Babylon we discussed the theological ramifications of evil going on in our world. By the rivers of Babylon we decided to blame whose fault it was that Jerusalem was leveled. No, no, no. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, we, we sat and wept. Sometimes the best thing you can do for someone who's grieving or in a season of loss, time of loss, is to sit and shut your mouth and be with them in that loss. Be with them in that time of grief. You know, I, I think sometimes we don't always know what to do with it. Sometimes we know someone's going through grief or loss. Maybe you try to avoid them or maybe you avoid talking about that person so that they don't you know, start to cry. But maybe it's okay if you let them cry in front of you. Now, I know we're really uncomfortable with emotion. Well, what do you do with that? But maybe we just don't do anything. We just let them feel. We, we just let the love and the grief come to the surface. Um, recently, the actor Andrew Garfield, also known as the best Spider-Man, sorry, Tom Holland, um, he did this interview with uh, Stephen Colbert. And um, Andrew had just lost his mom, uh, I think this past year, the year before, to pancreatic cancer. And so Stephen asks, asks him, how are you doing handling the grief and, and the loss of all this? And I want to show you this clip, because I thought this was really, really interesting. Check this out. I love talking about it, by the way. So if I cry, it's only like, mm -mm. it's only a beautiful thing. This is all the unexpressed love, right? The grief that will remain with us, you know, until we pass because we didn't, we never get enough time with each other, right? Mm -hmm. um, no matter if someone lives till 60, 15 or, you know, 99. So I hope this grief stays with me because it's all the unexpressed love that I didn't get to, to tell her. And I told her every day, we all, we, we all told her every day. She was the best of us. I think Andrew Garfield with tears in his eyes as he's talking about his mom. I told my mom I, I loved her every single day. But what's left over is this grief. It's, I love what he says here, that grief is the unexpressed love that is still with us. Isn't that beautiful? Grief is not evil. Grief isn't something to be fixed. It's not something to be afraid of. When someone expresses that grief and that loss, that love that they feel that's still there. What they're expressing in that moment. And sometimes, if you want to know how you can love someone that's grieving or in a season of, or time of loss, it's to do this. Just be present. 
be with them in that moment. But if you're like me, you probably get uncomfortable. And then you start talking. And you start saying things, you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. Let me share with you a couple things not to say. One thing not to say is that everything happens for a reason. That may be true, but you don't know what that reason is. And like it says in 1 Corinthians, we may know what that is, and that's not helpful. In fact, it's not very loving. Or, or maybe it's, I understand what you're going through. Even if you've lost someone, maybe you've lost a parent and they've lost a parent, those can be very different experiences. So in many ways you can say, yeah, I think I know what you're going through, but in many ways we really don't. And this one, this is the worst one. Time heals all wounds. Uh, that's actually not even true. Because Jesus heals wounds, not time. And in fact, you know, when, when we went through our, our, our miscarriage, we've had people tell us this, which was, you're young enough to have another child. Now, I know, that's awful. And, you know, I know people sometimes say this it comes from a good place, but it's just cruel. It's not helpful, and it's hurtful. Or, and this is something I'm still working to get out of my uh, vocabulary, it's only for a season. And I, said, I actually said this to someone the other day. I, I was like talking to someone who had just gone through a divorce, and I said, man, your, your, your pain's for a season, and I caught myself, and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Because you don't know what that means, or how long that time frame is. It could be 10 months, it could be years. It could be something that still kind of comes up. Sometimes the most loving thing you can say to someone who is grieving and hurting is this. someone who's struggling with doubt and they're trying to understand, you know, they're in the process of maybe re-understanding who God is and this. Don't feel like you need to defend God. You don't need to have an apologetic response because we serve a God who is not immune from grief and loss. We serve a God who from the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We serve a God who knows suffering. In fact, one of the pictures we have of him is of the suffering servant in the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews says that he is a savior who is well acquainted with all of our griefs and losses and all the things that we have gone through. And a thousand years before he lived on earth, the prophet Isaiah spoke about Jesus in this way. He said, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And yet we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. And he was despised. See, turned away. We couldn't bear to look upon him. Yet he continued to look upon us because God's love endures through grief. And maybe you're here today. You're grieving. You're experiencing loss. I want to encourage you that at the end of the service, uh, we're going to invite our prayer team to come up. I'm going to invite you to come for prayer. Sometimes what we need is to actually be with someone to pray. God would meet us in our okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay at Christmas time. Because we have a God who came to us when we weren't okay. And promises to be with us. God with us. 
when we're not feeling like we think we're supposed to, when we're not feeling okay during this season. We pray for us and we'll worship Jesus. You are the man of sorrows. And this Christmas season, God, we will be celebrating, and for some of us, celebration will be a discipline, not an emotion, not a feeling. It will be a decision we make. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in this room or that are watching right now who are in a time of grief and loss. And they're seeing all the holiday reminders reminding them of loved ones. Would you be close to them? Would you give them your comfort in those moments of pain and loss? As they're grieving, God, as they're bringing to you their laments, would you hold them close to you? Would you do deep work in them of compassion. God, would they know your loving kindness? And so, Father, as we worship, we look to you for direction. We look to you for your leading in this season, in this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.